Thanks for listening to the Providence Community Church Podcast. We hope you've been inspired today to love Jesus more deeply. For more information and other ways to connect with us, you can visit us on the web at providencecommunity.org. Good morning. So we're in a series about kingdom family. So we're family here, right? So I got to ask you something right off the bat, since we're family, um, because there is this phenomenon happening at my house, and I just want to see if this is a phenomenon that's occurring elsewhere. Um, I call it the dishwasher phenomenon. In my house of five people, there's only two people that can actually see the existence of the dishwasher. (laughs) Is this phenomenon in anyone else's home? Okay, thank you, thank you. I didn't know if this was some sort of spiritual gift that I had or my, my wife shares this gift with me. We're the only two in the home that can see the thing that is six inches from the sink. I just wanted to make sure, since we're all family, that I wasn't going crazy. I want to use that as a platform to to lay out the first truth of the day. No family is normal. Okay? In case you walked in here thinking you're normal, I got news for you. Every family has its dysfunction. Our family is no different. Okay, so let's just get it out on the table. There's no normal. To that, I want to say relax, embrace healthy dysfunction. There are some dysfunctions that are not healthy. And we need to minister to those dysfunctions. And we need to eradicate some of those dysfunctions. Abuse is not something we should celebrate and embrace. Amen? Addictions. There, there are things that we need to eradicate in Jesus' name, okay? But there's an awful lot we just need to embrace joyfully. We just need to recognize God's wired us all differently. Amen to that. I love vanilla, but I don't want to see the same people all the time, all the place. You know what I mean? Heaven is not some big, white, puffly, sterile existence, people. If you think this diversity is cool, I can't wait to get to heaven. He's going to blow our minds. Okay? Laugh. Enjoy the season you're in. There's no such thing as normal family, and that's a good thing. Diversity should be strength of family. Unity should be our distinctive. We can be crazy diverse and unbelievably unified. The world's selling a bit of goods right now that says difference is bad. And we all got to think alike and act alike, and that's just not true. Diversity should be our strength. Unity should be our distinctive. 
I want to lay just uh, a little bit of groundwork. If you have a Bible with you, Bible app with you, let's go to Ephesians. While you're going there, let me just talk to you a little bit about the book. This letter is written to Ephesus, but if you look at it, it differs from many of Paul's letters in that it is not addressed specifically. In other words, it was a letter that was meant to be read in other places to other people. But he was communicating with a group at Ephesus that he was dearly attached to. If you read Acts, when he separates from these people, it is a tearful one. He loved these people deeply, and I believe because of that, let his uh, son and in, in, uh, his spiritual son, Timothy, take over when he left. He wanted these people in to be cared for, felt deeply. Um, this is a place where Paul taught longer than any other, three years. Three years he stayed here and taught these folks in Ephesus. Ephesus was incredibly diverse. It was called the gateway to Asia. It was a clash of cultures and languages, a clash of ethnicities, political ideals, and religions. Incredibly diverse place. And as I said, Paul stayed three years there. Ephesus was his most taught student. It was also a pagan stronghold. Huge temple there to Artemis, Diana, depending on if you were Roman or Greek. But a crazy strong stronghold of, of pagan idolatry. Interestingly enough, it was a place where Paul's ministry had incredible power. Even handkerchiefs, and I remembered one today. Even handkerchiefs prayed over, carried to people when they touched, healed disease. God was at work in Paul's ministry, and I think it's important for us to know and to recognize right off the bat that when we're standing in the face of some of our greatest adversity, we are positioned for some of our greatest power. When we are faced with our greatest adversity, if we would surrender, we are positioned for some of our greatest power in ministry. Ephesians begins with a prayer for enlightenment and ends with a call to arms. There are three themes in Ephesians. Christ reconciling all things to himself and to God. Christ unifying all people to himself and to each other. Christ made us new so we should live like we are new people. These truths are held together by the belt of truth, as stated in the armor of God in the last chapter. Our focus to today is kingdom family communication. I want to talk to you about how the kingdom family is supposed to communicate with one another. But I want you to remember the themes and the setting as we do so. Let's read Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16. 
Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Verse 15 starts with a word, rather. When we look at this verse in context, we see that Paul's shifting gears from one thing to another. He is shifting gears from a discussion on Christ's equipping of the church leadership and the thought that we can remain children into how we grow. Paul is saying, grow up. Don't remain children tossed to and from by every wind of doctrine that comes down. Remember, Ephesus was a pagan center. There were all kinds of winds of religions and things that were probably swirling around the church all the time. If you didn't mature in your faith, you could likely get swept up in one of these things, and before you know it, it weaved its way into the fabric of your faith. Paul's saying, we don't want that. Rather, grow up. Christ has fully equipped his church with leadership, grace anointings, a team that equips the saints, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. I'm a shepherd. That's where I fall into this leadership equation. I'm just walking into a newness of that anointing and how grace works through me by shepherding. This is an environment of cooperation, enthusiasm, caring, encouragement. In a sense, it's a greenhouse for growth. It's a perfect climate. The conditions are set when our apostles and prophets are leading and our evangelists and shepherds and teachers are coming alongside of all of that. We've got this perfect environment for growth. And so Paul is saying, grow. Have you ever been around a 40-year-old child? I have. 18 years of police work? I was, I'm telling you, I was around more 40-year-old children than I care to be. It's disgusting. There's nothing right about it. We are meant to mature. Maturity is a choice. Paul's encouragement is look, look to Christ. Don't choose immaturity. Let's grow up into Christ, our head. And guess what he says? 
Kingdom family communication is the key. Speaking the truth in love. Kingdom family communication. Speaking the truth in love. So let's just unpack that phrase a little bit. I want to take a look at it, and I want you to have this picture in your mind. A pill, a capsule to be specific. A capsule is something that has medicine inside of it and a shell around it, correct? Truth is the medicine. Truth is absolute. I want you to hear that. Truth is absolute. There is no wavering. It's absolute. It is designed for a certain thing, to make all things right. It is absolute. Because it's absolute, it demands decision. It forces crisis of belief. When you come in contact with the truth, you've got choices to make. You can't stay the same. Some of those choices shake our faith to the core. Ever seen someone miraculously healed? Our mind goes to try and figure it out. I think that's why Christ did so many different methods. Spitting in the dirt. What the heck was that all about? You know? It wasn't about the method. It was about the deliverer. He was the truth. He created people whole. So he restored them that way. Truth demands decision. And this is why our testimony is so powerful. Amen? When someone shares testimony with you, you generally know that person. And when they share their testimony, you got to make a decision. Are they a liar? Are they a lunatic? Or are they telling me the truth? Those are the choices that Jesus Christ gave the people of his day. He claimed to be God. He claimed to be the way and the truth and the life. And if you came in contact with him and watched him operate, you had to make a decision. That decision still exists today. It forces a crisis of belief. Is he real? Is he true? Is he just a liar or a lunatic? When someone comes to you and says, Jesus Christ was a good man and a great teacher, you need to stand up and say, oh no, he was so much more. Doesn't do him justice. He didn't claim to be a good teacher. He claimed to be the truth. Truth is the medicine. See, if you just got the medicine, hardcore, every time, it could kill you. There's a reason God kicked us out of the garden. 
Truth demands judgment. And so he sent Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Love is what encapsulates the truth, okay? Love decides if you're getting an instantaneous dose of medicine or if you're getting a time-release dose of medicine, okay? Ever been hit with an instantaneous, right? Where God hooks up the IV bag and says, this is going straight in, folks. Yeah, ouch. Sometimes it's exactly what a person needs, though. Deliverance. When God saved me, he took profanity from me. Just gone. I never thought about it. It was just gone. I cursed like a sailor when I was, before I was saved. And it just disappeared. That was an instantaneous release. I had a friend that went to a meeting one time to pray for others. It was a Holy Spirit meeting and healing was the theme. And he walked in to pray for others and he walked out and he didn't need his glasses anymore. Coke bottles they were. I'm telling you, they were thick. Walked out, he couldn't see. What the heck is going on? Took off his glasses, perfect vision. Instantaneous. There are some people that we have been praying for years for healing. Time release. And I'm just using healing as an example, physical healing, okay? Things of the spirit, things of the heart are often time released. But love is what releases truth to do its work. As I said, truth alone demands judgment. Love alone, anything goes. You ever just been in a love-free environment? We had a love-free decade in this country, and it was a mess. Amen? Truth and love, perfect. God. Jesus. Truth and love is the perfect prescription. Did you ever wonder how Jesus hung out with all the sinners and they couldn't get enough of him? Seriously. Some of us are a little too pious for our own good. If you're hanging around sinners and they're ready to get you out of the door as quickly as they can, your love capsule needs a little work. Jesus hung out with sinners, and they just wanted to hang out more. He never compromised his truth. He never compromised his standard. He never tolerated sin. But he loved people. And because of that, they could swallow the pill. His communication was flawless, exactly what sinners needed exactly what they needed to hear, and released exactly as they needed it to be. They didn't even know it was doing its work in them. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says, let no corrupting thought 
No corrupting talk be a part of your speech, but build each other up, fitting the occasion. Fitting the occasion. Truth and love is specific to the occasion. This requires a relational atmosphere. You know, there are good doctors and there are bad doctors. Both know their medicine. Ever been in the office of a bad doctor? What's missing? Compassion. Bedside manner, right? I've been with some doctors that all they want to do is tell you what they know. They need to slow down and open their ears and listen to the person who's been carrying the body around for 51 years and take some of that into account, right? I promised myself I was going to stick to my notes this morning, so I got to slow down. Truth in love is specific to the occasion. This requires a relational atmosphere. It requires a doctor-patient relationship. The beauty of this relationship is both people grow. Paul knew that truth in love didn't just mean the person you're speaking to is going to grow. He knew that the person speaking also was going to get to grow. A physician is looking for symptoms, manifestations of good and bad. What he wants to do is feed the good and starve the bad. Feed the good. God designed us to overcome. God designed us with immune systems. God designed us with this wonderful body that rejuvenates itself when we take care of it and when we feed the good. When we feed the good, it can overcome the bad. When truth has its way, only good will remain in that area. And from that area, strength and healing will result. And from that area, growth will occur. And then we can move on to the next area. When we experience restored health, we want to share our prescription. Right? Ever have somebody come to you with a problem? And you say, wait a minute, I've been there. Here's what I did. Right? Why? That's an overcomer spirit. I overcame that. Let me help you overcome that. This is what I did. Testimony. When we experience restored health, we are motivated to share our prescription. Here's the deal. Physicians aren't born. They're made. Christ is the great physician. When I say physicians aren't born, I'm talking earthly people. Got that? Okay. Just recognize that those two, the two things I just said didn't go well together. 
Christ is the great physician. He's the author and perfecter. The Holy Spirit is our medical school dean, making sure that the program is the correct one, right? He leads and guides us into truth. The five ministry anointings are our instructors, right? We've got to desire to know the truth. And this is where faith comes in, a decision. Faith says, be sure of what you hope for and be certain of what you do not see. We need to trust a great physician, first for our salvation, second for our growth. See, when we're born again, we are a new creation. The things of this earth will not satisfy nor will they grow us. As a new creation from a new creator, we need to turn to the great physician and place our trust in him. After that, Christ made it simple. He summed up all the law and the prophets and said, love your God and love others like you love yourself. Two application steps to delivering truth, right? So when we pick up this book and we say, I can't figure out some of this stuff, he says, love your God and love others like you love yourself. He summed it all up. Jesus is great theology. When you can't figure something out, look at what Jesus did and imitate it. Your theology would be spot on, right? He took 12 men, said, watch what I do. Watch how I do it. Watch what I say. Now go duplicate it. What happened? They came back and they said, we couldn't drive this thing out. Oh, that's prayer and fasting. Let me teach you the new, right? Let me teach you that. This is the challenging part. We need to get in this book. We need to learn this truth. You've got to learn this truth. This is the easy part. It's right here. You've got a guide in the Holy Spirit that desires to walk you into it. The fullness of it. That's the easy part. The doctor-patient relationship is the tough one. Walking together taking time for one another, that's the hard part. That part relies on the heart. Let me connect a couple dots. Where your treasure is, there will be your heart. What do you treasure? 
where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life, Proverbs 4.23. What do I treasure? That's where my heart is. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Do you ever wonder why Jesus could say, come and drink from me and you will never thirst again? He's the wellspring of eternal life. You only need to drink from that fountain one time. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. I think this one is in Matthew. I'm sorry, I forgot to write the reference down. It might be Matthew 18, 21. Don't hold me to that. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Put, your heart's going to be where your treasure is. Once we get our treasure settled in, we guard it. And now we revel, we dwell in that place, and out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth will speak. Proverbs 18, 21. The power of life and death is in the tongue. If your treasure's not properly placed, your spring is still going to flow. But you're going to be spewing ventum. Disease, cancer, death. That's not the body of Christ, people. That's not kingdom family language, people. A couple application points. Colossians 3.16. Let the word dwell in you richly. You know, when you dwell in something, you set up a habitation, right? Let the word inhabit you richly. A red flag for me is always labels. When I hear labels coming out of my mouth, idiot, red flag. That's not kingdom speech. That's not the manifestation of the word that dwells within me. And you know what I usually find out? I've been neglecting this. I'm not feeding the spirit. Got to feed the spirit. Remember, out of the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speaks. If you come to this word simply for you, something's still out of line. This word is meant to flow over and into others, okay? So come and let it dwell richly. I love this. In wisdom and singing, right? Let the word, let it be expressed in psalms and spiritual songs. And we did that this morning. So, man, we had church before we even got started. It's crazy. Singing is an expression of joy, joyful expression. Wisdom should be joyfully expressed. Be a student of the truth, and remember that Jesus is perfect theology. 
When you get confused, settle back into Jesus. Just take a look at what he's doing. Imitate him. Be a voice of truth. Application two, be a voice of truth. So one was be a student of truth. Two, be a voice of truth. Paul says what? Speak the truth in love. Speak. God can't use your silence. Speak. Be a voice of truth. A loving overflow expression. Be about others. If I hear this phrase one more time about church, church just isn't meeting my needs. I just can't find what I'm looking for. How about walking in the door and looking what you could give? I'm sorry, that wasn't in my notes. That just crept up from somewhere. You know what I'm saying? That's a consumer mentality. Walk in here looking to give. It's an overflow condition. When all you're looking to get is, you see, what your tank is not flowing over. We're designed to be overflow. Machines of overflow, wellsprings of life. So two, be a voice of truth, a loving overflow. Three, James 1.19, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Be quick to listen and so to speak. Listen. First Corinthians 14, one and three also says this, pursue love and desire to prophesy, to edify, to exhort, and to console. That's a New Testament prophet. What's that mean? Encourage, listen. Prophecy is the man who, you know, your prophet heard from God, spoke to the people. That's what prophecy is. I listen to God. He gives me an encouraging word and I get to share it with somebody. And the word is living and active, right? It manifests and it manifests and it manifests and it just keeps manifesting. My Bible and my journal are chock full of encouraging words, cards from my wife, cards from my kids, words that prophetically have been declared over me. I keep them here and I go back to them again and again and again, and they just keep bringing life. I got pictures in here from this young lady right here. She draws my sermons. She got the thermometer thing and the thermostat thing right when I got it wrong. That's a real encouragement. Beautiful pictures. I hang on to them. Luke delivered me two words this morning and a bag of sugar cakes. No, you can't have any. Listen. Prophesy and tongues. Paul addresses tongues, and I don't have time to really go down this trail, but I just want you to say this. Tongues edify, 
Listen and speak. Let the Holy Spirit speak and build yourself up. And if we've got an interpreter in the house, let it rip. Right? We can't be afraid of these things, people. They're in the Scriptures. Listen. Speak. Here's the, uh, where was that? Four. I'm close. James 5, 16. Confess sin to one another. Confess sins to one another. We got to stop keeping things in the dark, people. We got to trust each other. We're family. Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another. Get this, that you may be healed. You know, some of you are carrying around sickness and disease simply because this verse has not been applied to your life. Sin always manifests in stress. Stress manifests in disease. I know that's an oversimplification of a lot of things, but some of us are carrying around stuff that God wants to heal. He's just waiting for us to confess sin and be prayed for. Confess your sin to one another. Pray for one another. I love this. Your righteous prayers are powerful. Powerful. Five. Build people up. Ephesians 4.29, right? Fit the occasion. Take time to sit. When you take time to sit and listen, you're feeling out the situation. Okay? Not every deliverance of truth is a holy smack upside the head with the scriptures. All right? Sometimes it's, at, it's, it's a very gentle. Matter of fact, I said I would stick to my notes. Fit the occasion. Soft answers, Proverbs 15.1. Soft answers. Soft and weak are not synonymous. I've had some really gentle people straighten me out. Right? Feel like I got to remove my shoes around some of those people. Holy ground. You're just like, dude is reading my mail. Right? Soft answers, Proverbs 15.1. Colossians 4.6, gracious speech, grace-filled speech, and saltiness. It's in there. Check it out. Our words should be salty. What does that mean? They should taste good, and they should create thirst. I should want to come back to the spring. If God shows you a negative, in other words, you're sitting with someone and God reveals a negative in that person, search out the opposite. Search out the positive and feed that thing. Okay? God's not revealing the negative so you can drive a finger into someone's chest and say, look at this, look at this, look at this. Chances are they're already wrestling with condemnation. Holy Spirit will convict. Holy Spirit will, will convict. You can discuss the negative. But look for its opposite and feed that thing. 
Six, and this is the last one. Good thing I'm starting to run. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Meet together. Gather. Don't just gather to be around. Encourage one another. I love this. Stir one another to good works. You ever been in an encouraging environment? An overcoming environment? Friday night we were in one. Burn service. Gina Kelly shared testimony. And rocked the house. And I'm telling you, when she let her testimony out, the environment changed. Crazy good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for our time together this morning, our time with you. Thank you that you're just not a God of truth. But you're the fullness of grace and truth. You are love. Truth and love. I pray that in this moment, Holy Spirit, you would have your way, examine our hearts. Where is our treasure? Am I protecting the spring? Am I letting you dwell in me richly so that I may overflow into others and be the prescription that they need in the occasion that they need it? Father, let us use social media as a powerful weapon of encouragement. Let our unity be seen. May the words of our mouth, the meditations of our hearts be life-giving. May we delight sitting at your feet and gathering together. I pray, pray for uh, a revelation of giftedness within this room. Grace anointings. 
that supernaturally release your truth in and through the body that we grow healthy, strong, that we're salty to the community, that we're something that they desire and ultimately that they would place their faith in you, the great physician. We thank you for the sweetness of this time. And we trust you as we go into our week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you uh, for uh, giving me an opportunity We have some prayer warriors up front here that just want to speak over you, encourage you, minister to you. Give them an opportunity if you need that. And uh, go in peace and power in the name of the King. Amen. Amen.